Tonight's news is dominated by the volatile situation in Russia. Earlier today, President Putin was facing the biggest threat to his authority since coming to power over 20 years ago. But then, this evening, there was a sudden change and the crisis seemed to be over. It's all down to this man, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who leads a group of mercenary soldiers who've been fighting in Ukraine. They're known as the Wagner Group. He's been very critical of the Putin approach to the war. He called on Russian troops to rebel against their leaders. And he said that his men were marching on Moscow. But then at 6.30 this evening, Prigozhin issued a statement saying that he'd agreed to stop the movement of his troops, to de-escalate the situation and, in his words, to avoid bloodshed. The Kremlin then announced that the Wagner force would not be prosecuted and that Prigozhin would be moving to live to Belarus. President Putin had accused the Wagner group of betrayal and treason. Tonight, he said that avoiding more bloodshed was more important than punishing people. We'll have the latest on this dramatic day from our correspondent Steve Rosenberg in Moscow and Andrew Harding in eastern Ukraine, and we'll be joined in the studio by our chief international correspondent, Lise Doucette, with her assessment. Let's start in Moscow with Steve Rosenberg. Yes, Hugh. Well, just a few hours ago, it seemed as if Wagner fighters were on their way to Moscow, and there seemed to be a real danger of confrontation because of that. But, you know, in Russia, things can change very fast. And for whatever reason, they did so today. This is how the day began. In the Russian city of Rostov, armed men and armor on the streets and tanks outside key buildings. In control here, the mercenary group Wagner. Closely linked to the state, they'd fought for Russia in Ukraine. But this looked like mutiny. Their leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, seemed to have gone rogue after his feud with the Russian defence ministry boiled over, over how the war in Ukraine is being fought. At a military HQ, he told Russian generals, we've come for the defense minister and the chief of the general staff. If we don't get them, I'll blockade the city and head to Moscow. This was treachery, said the Kremlin, a stab in the back of Russia. Our actions to defend the fatherland from this threat will be harsh. Everyone who consciously chose the path of treason and planned the armed uprising has embraced blackmail and terrorist methods. They will be inevitably punished before the law and our people. Tension rose as reports came in of Wagner convoys moving north to Moscow. Was this heading towards confrontation in the capital? Then, out of the blue, a message from Mr. Prigozhin. To avoid bloodshed, he said, Wagner would turn around and return to base. A de-escalation deal that the leader of Belarus claims to have negotiated. Conflict called off. This is one of those moments where you just have to put up your hands and say, what on earth was that about? I mean, just a few hours ago, Yevgeny Prigozhin seemed determined to march his men to the top of the hill. Then he marched them down again. We may never know what agreements were or weren't reached between the key players of this bizarre drama.
confused. Muscovites were by the whole affair. Before, they told us Wagner was good, Svetlana says. They gave them medals for fighting in a special military operation. Now suddenly they're villains? That's hard for me to get used to. Preparing to leave Rostov tonight, Wagner fighters got quite a send-off. They're celebrating what they clearly see as a victory after a day of drama. Well, Steve, they're hinting at the mystery around this deal that was negotiated. Let's join him once again in Moscow. Steve, have you managed to piece together what might have been uh, the clinching element today? Well, we may not know all the details uh, of what was agreed. This is what the Kremlin has told us uh, about the deal which has been made public. Uh, in a, in a late-night Kremlin conference call to journalists. Uh, first of all, apparently it was the leader of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, who uh, allegedly negotiated this deal because apparently he has known Mr. Prigozhin uh, for some time. According to the deal, all criminal charges against Mr. Prigozhin uh, will be dropped and he will move to Belarus. As for the Wagner fighters who took part in this uh, uh, mutiny, uh, they will not be charged, they won't face any criminal charges because of their frontline service, uh, the Kremlin says. So those are the bare bones of the deal that has been made public. So what you have is, in effect, a situation which has turned around completely, because just a few hours ago there seemed to be a real danger uh, of a confrontation. Mr. Prigozhin was saying he was going to go all the way, he was furious with the military leadership of Russia, suddenly things have turned around and he says, no, back to camp, uh, we've done a deal. That's the situation tonight. Steve, many thanks. We'll catch up uh, again a little later on, but Steve Rosenberg, for now, thank you. Let's take a closer look at the man who called for the rebellion in the first place, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and the group of mercenary soldiers that he leads, known as the Wagner Group. Our security correspondent, Gordon Carrera, has been investigating. Yevgeny Prigozhin, outside Russian military headquarters in Rostov-on-Don this morning, boasting his Wagner group have taken it without firing a shot. But just who is this man challenging Russia's leaders? Prigozhin began as a criminal from St. Petersburg. After leaving jail, he began selling hot dogs, but then graduated to running expensive restaurants. He caught the attention of Russia's leader, leading him to be known as Putin's chef. He catered to world leaders when they visited, even America's president, but also became rich from lucrative military contracts. About a decade ago, he began to carry out operations around the world on behalf of the Kremlin, even interfering in America's 2016 election. But Prigozhin became best known as head of Wagner, an often brutal private mercenary group working to the Kremlin's agenda. It's been operating across the Middle East and Africa, including Syria, Libya and Mali, allowing Putin to project power without being directly involved. But it's in the last year in Ukraine that it's really come to the fore. As Putin's plans for a quick victory faded, Prigozhin's forces undertook some of the heaviest fighting. Some of them came from prisons. Here's Prigozhin recruiting them in return for an early release. 
laying flowers on the graves of those who died helped him cultivate an image in Russia as a nationalist hero, one who would fight harder in Ukraine. But battles like in Bakhmut led to growing tension between Prigozhin and the regular Russian military leadership. He angrily accused its leaders, like Defence Minister Shoigu and Military Chief Gerasimov, of using his men as cannon fodder and denying them vital supplies. Prigozhin claimed Russia's soldiers had been let down by their leaders, and his attacks on them became increasingly outspoken. It was clear one side or other would have to move, bringing what had been a simmering crisis to the boil. So where does all of this leave the Wagner Group? Gordon is with me. Is it the end for them? Well, it certainly looks like it. I mean, the situation, the tension between Wagner and the Russian military leadership was becoming unsustainable in recent days. You could sense the anger growing on both sides. One of the sides was going to move in some way, especially because there were plans already to put Wagner under control of the regular Russian military soon. So Prigozhin made his move. It would always have been extraordinary and quite unlikely that he could have marched all the way into Moscow. But it would also have been very difficult for Vladimir Putin to unleash his forces on a group, the Wagner Group, which until recently he'd lauded as heroes for their fight in Ukraine. So Prigozhin survives, but in exile, his troops in Wagner uh, aren't prosecuted and they don't get killed. That's all if the deal holds. Uh, what does it mean for Wagner? Well, I think it is over as it was as a group. But also for Vladimir Putin, this is also damaging because he's lost a group which had been able to conduct some fighting for him in Ukraine and it's damaged his own credibility, his ability to project strength at home. So in a sense, neither side wins. Gordon, many thanks again. Gordon Correro there, our security correspondent. Uh, well, in London, the government has held a meeting of its emergency cabinet committee, known as COBRA, to discuss the impact of those uh, events in Russia today. The Prime Minister had this to say a little earlier. It's an evolving situation, and I think the right thing at this juncture is for us to make sure that we're on top of it, that we're in touch with our allies, which we are, and I'll be speaking to them later today, and that we call on all parties to exercise responsibility and to protect civilian lives. I think that's the most important thing for us in the UK to be doing at this juncture. Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, speaking a little earlier. All of these events have to be seen against the backdrop of the latest fighting between Russian and Ukrainian forces. The forces of President Zelensky of Ukraine, well, they've been pushing to recapture some of the territory invaded by Russia, including settlements in the eastern Donetsk region, the southern region of Zaporizhia. But progress, it has to be said, has been rather slow. Uh, fighting is also continuing around the eastern city of Bakhmut. We've talked a lot about that in recent weeks. Most of that is still under Russian control after prolonged fighting. And that is where the Wagner Group have suffered heavy losses. President Zelensky said today that in his view, all the latest turmoil in Russia simply showed the weakness of President Putin. Our correspondent Andrew Harding reports now from the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine. A Ukrainian army doctor rushes to help yet another casualty this morning, near the front lines. Russia may be in disarray today, but the fighting here, near the town of Bakhmut, is as ferocious as ever. Rough and ready treatment for this soldier, who's got a chunk of shrapnel in his thigh. 
The doctor here, his call sign is Yoda, plots the next rescue mission to the nearby battlefield. As for the news of a mutiny in Russia, with weary eyes, Yoda says, most of us don't really believe it. Or maybe it's a performance, something to try to distract us. What matters is that we fight on. They're just heading off now to the front line to pick up some more wounded. The fighting seems to be getting much more intense around Bakhmut. And the word from the Ukrainians is that they are advancing now steadily, meter by meter. So are Ukrainian troops already taking advantage of the chaos in Russia's military? That must surely be the plan. There is certainly a big opportunity to seize here, with Ukraine's counter-offensive already poised to move up several gears. That's Ukrainian jets flying Two Ukrainian jets flying very low overhead. We're having to stay under the trees here because the, the medics here are telling us that Russian drones are constantly patrolling every day looking for them. Another doctor, known as Afghan, who I last met a year ago, is weary and cautious about what comes next. How is the counter-offensive going? Hmm. Difficult? Yes as if to prove the point. Incoming Russian artillery. Then another casualty arrives from the front. 56-year-old Alexander, more shrapnel. And yet, as heavy as the fighting still is, there's renewed hope here that a demoralized, divided Russian enemy may be in big trouble, and that Putin's war just might have reached a turning point. Well, uh, let's go live then to eastern Ukraine and uh, join Andrew Harding, who's there. Um, Andrew, what's your reading of the potential impact of these events now on the fighting there in the next few weeks? Good evening, Hugh. Well, the situation here and in Russia is so unpredictable right now that the Ukrainians may well be tempted simply to shrug, keep calm and carry on with their counterattack as planned. On the other hand, it's clear that there is potentially an opportunity for Ukraine. And so I think they'll be watching very closely in the coming days to see if the instability in Russia is transferred to the front lines here in Ukraine. Will Wagner's troops come back? Will there be new divisions, perhaps infighting, perhaps even sudden retreats of units from the front lines? Opportunities for Ukraine to exploit. On the other hand, there are clearly risks involved here too for Ukraine. Will a Kremlin rattled by recent events simply try to re-exert its authority over this conflict, perhaps by accelerating things, perhaps even by launching some sort of nuclear provocation or sabotage? That's certainly something the Ukrainians have been concerned about. Overall, though, I think this is clearly something that the Ukrainians will see as an opportunity. The timing is perfect for them. It comes as they're trying to ramp up their counteroffensive with tens of thousands more troops and Western weapons poised to join the offensive. So plenty of risks, but many more opportunities right now for Ukraine. Andrew, thank you again for the thoughts there in eastern Ukraine. Andrew Harding, our correspondent there. And as Andrew was saying, 
lots of um, unanswered questions and lots of things to consider about the potential impact in the days and weeks ahead. Frank Gardner is with me, our security correspondent. How do you see the position of the main characters in this uh, ongoing conflict? Right, well, you could sum it up in a nutshell by saying Wagner neutered, Prigozhin exiled, Putin weakened. But it's a bit more nuanced than that because the, the success of the Wagner group was largely down to the fact that they operated outside the Russian mainstream army infrastructure, which was weighed down with bureaucracy, with corruption and poor leadership. This is why they were so effective. But they've now been brought to heel. They are going to be under the command of the Russian Ministry of Defense. Prigozhin is off to Belarus. How long he will survive there as a free man is open to debate. President Putin is not left looking very strong from this. Or, you know, there are some people who say, oh, well, this is all a big ruse, the whole thing was... A... But it doesn't make him look good. The thing that doesn't change is the strength of Russian defences in southern Ukraine. And that's what Ukraine has got to try and break through. None of this changes the fact that Russia has got a triple layer of defences, of minefields, barbed wire, interlocking fields of fire, trenches, command posts, bunkers, all of which is, is covered by artillery that will rain down rounds on the advancing Ukrainian troops. That's what they've still got to tackle if this war is going to end. That Frank, hasn't changed. Thank you very much. Frank Gardner with his assessment there, our security correspondent.